0: Alright, Proverbs chapter 4, just a little bit of review, um, just to kind of get up to where we are. We're on the subject of family matters uh, as as our major theme that we're studying, kind of trying to bring that to a a close here. And in Proverbs chapter 4, we look at all the different references and times that in the first seven chapters of Proverbs that the son, the son of the writer is directly addressed, but he... Um, he addresses many, many areas of life in, as far as giving, uh, giving, giving wisdom, giving advice. Uh, this is the Father speaking to the Son, giving, giving the Father's wisdom, which in this case it overlaps with God's wisdom, obviously, because it's God's Word. Um, and uh, he talks about evil men, good men, peer pressure, the heart, strange women, adultery. He talks about subject of marriage. This is the father speaking to the son now. The use of money, laziness, and the work ethic, uh, dishonesty. He talks about how to have good personal relationships with others. All these and and many other things that I I just didn't didn't mention uh, are subjects, practical subjects, not just spiritual subjects, but practical subjects as well, uh, that the father, or we might say the parent, is instructing the, the, the son. Now, we know that just as the father has a law and has instruction, so the Bible, the Proverbs also speaks of the law of one's mother. And, uh, but, and oftentimes in a family, the mother deals with some aspects and the husband deals, the father deals with other aspects. The point being is if your kids or my kids have, if they have a lack of wisdom, if they need, if they need wisdom and understanding, be it wisdom in spiritual things, or they need wisdom in physical things, practical things, their they're, they're kind, of, uh, they're, they're kind of default, the, the person they should turn to by default is their parents. Now, here's what's happening, is there is an absolute breakdown in this that is happening in society. And you know why it's happening? I, I lay the primary blame on the parents. Because kids are kids. They, they are, kids, are, kids are just kind of reactionary. They just, they, they just react to what they're given, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. And, uh, and so what they're turning to is trash on the Internet, and people who do not have their interests, don't know them, don't care about them. And, and In many cases, just like in the case of uh, Rehoboam, they're turning to get counsel from people who have no more wisdom than they themselves have and have, do not have the benefit of experience. To see the end of a matter. That's what parents are supposed to have. Yeah, I know sometimes at, at every stage of life, you know, you, you that, are, that are older, that have come up, you probably remember a time when you looked at people who are much older than you and you probably looked somewhat lightly upon what they said. Maybe you had, thought you had better knowledge or newer knowledge or whatever. But the, the thing is, people that are older that have experience have the benefit of seeing the end of a matter. And that is not something that you, that you can replace. That's, and, and in the case of Rehoboam, which is a good example of that, that's, that's, exactly, what, that's exactly what's happening is children, because they do not have good, a good, healthy relationship with their parents, number one. Number two, because their parents are not, remember we studied, intentionally, on purpose, deliberately instructing their children in the ways of God. And in the practical application of the ways of God in all these areas of life that we've seen, because they're not doing that, the kids are having to get advice from somewhere. And I'll tell you, the primary, just, just to put it out there, the primary subject, one of the primary subjects that kids are getting advice about is about issues of morality, and specifically that the sexual immorality. That's, they're going straight to their peer group and usually it's not any particular what it is is people on the internet and they're getting they're getting their advice and that's a lot of the a lot of these especially these teenage girls who are being affected with this trans ideology that because they're 13 14 years old and feel very funny because of everything that's happening with with them and their body physically they're turning to this and they're being told by people that they feel uncomfortable because they're in the wrong body it's just it's vile yeah. and you know what you know what the great barrier to that kind, of, that kind of garbage, the great barrier, the great wall, the you might say the bastion or the fort that, that, that will protect that is a sound, healthy relationship the child has with the parent. That will protect in many cases. But see, when that's broken down, the child goes behind the parents' backs, they're on their devices, they know more about their devices than their parents' and they're able to get around, whatever. The, the parents aren't checking. The, where, I'm just saying, I'm just ranting now. I'm just, I'm just on a rant. Where, where, are the, where are the parents that care? Where are the parents that give a rip about their kids? Don't tell me you care about your kid if you do not pay attention to what they're looking at on the Internet. I don't believe it. Amen. It's false. You don't care about them. You don't care about them. Whatever good feelings you might have or whatever, that is, uh, I just, this is why the Lord has made us parents, and this is, this is one of the primary reasons. If we, as, as mothers and fathers, if we know God, God has, we will give an account for how we raise our children. We will give an account to that. And so, uh, so involve, be intentional. As we studied last week, be intentional. mm <clears throat>
1: First question. Sadly, that's not always the case, you know. And you, you know, it's um, there's a lot of it's complicated because we're <coughs> dealing with human beings, and choices always have consequences. And sadly, you know, we can raise our kids in in a setting, a church setting. In going on.
0: Just forget it all. Forget it all. No, (laughs) no,
1: but, you know, as as parents, you know, as Christian parents that strive and have done everything possible, you know, I want to tell you something. I'll sit back here and I'll be thinking, well, where did I go wrong for my son to be turning out the way he did?
0: We we covered that, we covered that to some degree when we were talking about Proverbs at the beginning. The difference between the promises and the proverbs. And the difference, anybody remember the difference between a proverb and a promise? Does anybody remember the key difference? A promise has no what? Exceptions. A promise has no exceptions. But Proverbs are generally applicable truths. So it's just like what you're saying, you know, uh, some people, they have a child and, and, you know, and as an example, the Lord has many children. Do all of the Lord's children do the right thing? No, there is a sin unto death. Is there not? (laughs) That's, That's a child of God who rebels against God to such a degree that God takes their life away. That's a thing. You know what? I've known people. I knew, I knew a young man in Cambodia. We visited, in 2003, we visited a, a missionary family, the Rupal family, and there was a young man who spent a lot of time with us. He was a teenager at that time. Well, he was following the Lord. I mean, he was, he was faithful and all those things, but after over the years, he got away from God, started getting some bad things, and God took his life. And uh, so the the it is not in God there is no better father than than God right He does everything right, <laughs> does he not? Uh, but on the other hand, the flip side of that is just because just because there are exceptions to the proverbs, you know, doesn't mean that well it just doesn't work. That's that's not the case either. Many people, in fact, many people who have, who have the case like Brother Burgess is referring, um, have one or two children or several children that follow God and one that doesn't. I've known families that, I've know, known families that have been like that. and they had the same family. They had the same parents. They did the same thing, you know. So there is an element of that that is absolutely it has to do with, with our re- rebellious will. Um, so I mean, that's, that's just a fact. And the reality is, if any of us were in that same situation, that's exactly what I would be thinking. That's exactly what I'd be thinking. You know what? There are no good answers. There are no good answers. That's just the reality of it. So so we're going to turn now to Proverbs chapter 13. As we press on, we'll pray, and then we'll read. We'll, we'll go ahead and read verse, chapter 13, verse 22. It says this, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the opportunity to look in your word again this, uh, this morning. Thank you for uh, each and every person that's here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be among us, Lord, and would uh, manifest yourself as you teach us. Lord, please teach us. Please teach your people and help your people and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And I pray that as we look at your word, our focus and our heart and our attention will be upon it solely. And uh, Lord, we just we pray you'd work among us, even in the service to follow, as we, as we uh, observe the Lord's Supper and we remember what you've done for us. Lord, I pray those things would sink deep into our hearts and would affect us profoundly. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children... And the wealth of uh, the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. Now the word inheritance here is obviously in verse number twenty-two because of the second part of the verse. It's obviously a reference. Immediately, what I mean by that is what we call. is there, everybody understand when you say the context? There's an immediate context. Then there's kind of an intermediate, or you know, a con- it further you go out from the verse in meaning. Not just, not just. Remember, not just as it appears on the page. I, I know I'm getting off track here, but sometimes when you read, uh, preachers are, are really bad about this. Preachers are really bad about this. They'll read a verse, and then they'll read a 10 verses above it, 10 verses below it. And if any word occurs in the text within 10 verses or on the page or whatever, they think it's related. But that's not necessarily the case because you have to actually follow the grammar and see if it's actually related. you got to find out where the therefores are there for, right, as they say. Well, in this case, the immediate context of the word inheritance at the beginning of the verse is possessions. How do we know? Because the second part of the verse says, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. All right, so there, there's a parallel there. So we're talking about, we're talking about your money, your property what you own. The Lord covers this. So this is not, this is not taboo. The Bible plainly says in 1, 2 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Now, what that tells us is that the parents are thinking about the children, right? That their, their desires for the good of the kids. You know, in and, and, and a lot of places, that's not the case. A lot of places, the parents use the children. And I, I've seen that. Sadly, they use the children any way that they can find a, 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 an angle to mooch off of their kids. And I, what I just to be clear, I'm not referring to people who like you know they can't they need help. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. We're people who are making the choice to mooch off their kids that they don't want to work. They don't want you know those kinds of things, where they're willing to use their children. Well, that's not what that's not the scriptural principle. They're actually the reverse. So inheritance, talking about possessions, but think about, let's just meditate a little bit upon this idea of leaving an inheritance to one's children. Of course, we know there are physical inheritances, but then there's also spiritual inheritance. There's things things that we possess that we pass on to our children that will remain after. We're gone, and those things are often immaterial. They're not things you can see and feel and touch. But you know what? Your values, your habits, and a whole host of things you, whether you like it or not, are going to be passed on to your children. And you know how you know that? Because when your children do something and you see yourself, you've passed it on to them. That's not a very comfortable thing sometimes. And then sometimes it's a blessed blessing. You know? I mean, if we're honest. But think about passing on something to your children as far as a physical inheritance. The fact that we pass something on to our children indicates that we were wise with our money because there was something left. We had something to pass along now I know uh, I know there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a great deal of risk, or there is some measure, I should say, some measure of risk. If you have $2 million, as an example, and you pass that on to your child, well, that, that can cause a lot of problems, and it often does in families, right, the money. However, just put that aside for a minute, what they do with it. Again, going back to what Brother Burgess says, they make bad choices, and it seems like when people, when people die and money's involved, people lose their minds, they lose their minds and their morals and their ethics, just like that, when they think they're going to get a lump sum payment from That's a fact, all right? But put that, what they do with it aside, that's their responsibility, but think about it from the parent's perspective. The fact that that parent has something to pass along shows that they did not squander what they had while they had it. And that is a virtue to be commended. That is a virtue to be commended. Now, I don't know if my family would appreciate if I said this, but when, I, when my grandfather passed away, he left a large amount of money. I mean, to us. I mean, not to Elon Musk or anything. But <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> he left a large amount of money to my grandmother. You know what? I don't care anything about that money. I could not care less about that money. But you know what? You know what it showed me? That he took care of his things he paid attention to his money and he, as far as financially, was, you know, and he was always the miser. He was always, I want to tell you something, he was always the one that was always careful. He came up into depression, all that. He was always the one that was very careful with his money, but when someone that he loved needed help, he would lay it down. Now he might complain, but he would lay it down. Yeah. Financially speaking, absolutely, he, he, was, he walked in wisdom. You know, the evidence of that is what he left to his children. Now, I'm not setting that up as some spiritual whatever, you know, some spiritual measure or something like that. But it's just a fact of, of Proverbs because it relates directly to our kids. We had something left to pass along. The second thing we notice about this is pass along, passing along an inheritance means that we did not think only of ourselves while we were alive. We were thinking about those after us. You know, you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm spending my kid's inheritance. Well, that's not scriptural. It's not. Now, that does, of course, everybody always wants to rush to the other side. So I hasten to say, but that doesn't mean you can't spend the money you've saved. You want to go on a trip? Go have fun. Go have fun. But, but there's a balance to it. And uh, when you're thinking about your kids... You know, you're thinking not only, you know, when you have an inheritance, you're thinking about not only yourself, but those that come after you. Also, the fact that you have something to pass on, because no, nobody knows the day when our days will be finished. So, you know, we can think we're going to live to where 80, 90, 100 years old or whatever. We have no idea. And so usually what happens most of the time, seeing how nobody knows when they're going to die, <laughs> most of the time death catches us kind of by surprise. Right? And so that means we have things left undone, some money that we had maybe would have spent. You know, that's kind of the idea. Passing along an inheritance, though, means that, why, that we were thinking of the future while we were still in our own present. Think about that. Does the Bible say that we should think of the future? Absolutely. We should plan for the future. If if you can, you ought to plan to have some way to support yourself once you can't work. You should have a plan for, you know, taking care of contingencies and stuff like that. You should do that. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. Pastor, if everybody could stop and
1: think about the future, not just from an inheritance standpoint, but from the standpoint of one
0: day
1: I would stand before God, mm-hmm. it would drastically change the way that we live. Mm-hmm.
0: Our world today is more <clears throat> focused. Present. present. Immediate. Present. Does not the Bible say in 1 John, he that hath this hope, referring to the coming of Christ, he that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure? The coming of Christ is a future event, but the knowledge of that event affects our present. That's the principle here. That's the principle here. Of course, that's speaking of spiritual things. This is physical things. Now look at Proverbs 20, verse 7. (laughs) We're going to look at the spiritual application of this truth now. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Again, we're talking about kids. Talking about our children, it says this: the just man, verse seven. The just man walketh in his integrity; his children are blessed after him. His children are blessed after him. Proverbs fourteen, verse twenty-six. I'll go ahead and read it. it says this: In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Notice the future, future. Verse seven again. His children are blessed after him. See that? 20 verse 7. His children are blessed after him. Again, do not, that's, that's speaking of your children after, you're long gone. This idea that, this idea that, well, as long as things are good for me, then, I'm, you know, whatever. All the rest, I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'll let my kids worry about it. Whoa, 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 that's not right. That is not a scriptural, scriptural thinking. Don't only be concerned with your present, but also for your children's future, because this is a biblical truth. And, and that's not only in physical things. If, again, just to make it clear, if we leave physical things, money, possessions, lands, houses to our children, and they have those things, but they do not have a spiritual inheritance for us, what doth it profit? It's a waste, exactly. It's useless. Now, if you have physical things you pass on, fine. That's, that's all fine and good. But of the two, the spiritual is definitely the most important. Amen. The spiritual is definitely the most important. The reality, though, we're looking at Proverbs, right? The reality is that living for the Lord in wisdom often has a secondary effect of causing a, a great deal of physical prosperity as well, excepting in the case of persecution and, and unforeseen circumstances that sometimes the Lord allows us to come into. I mean, if, you're, if you walk in wisdom and you're, you know, there, there's benefits to that, right? You sow the flesh, you reap corruption, you sow the spirit, reap you know. So that, there's that truth that's present as well. There's that truth that's present as well. Now, I want to bring up this word, um, his children are blessed after him, this word memorial. We're going to talk about memorial because we're doing the Lord's Supper in the morning service, but I'll just give you a definition. Memorial is something by which the memory of a person, a thing, or an event is preserved. A monument, a custom, or an observance. Again, we'll talk about this later, but the the Passover, the festival, the feast of the Passover is a memorial. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. The stones erected, you remember when Joshua went into the land of Canaan, they crossed the Jordan River and the, the Lord backed up the river and they went on dry ground and they took stones out of the Jordan River and set them up on the west side of the river inside the land of Canaan as a what? Memorial. You know, it's fantastic. Anybody that looked at that pile of stones is going to say, those were in that river. How did they get them? Well, let me tell you. You see, It's a memorial. It's a memorial. You see, you and I should want our children to have a memorial of us. Not a place, not not a festival, but there ought to be be good, godly, right memories that they have of us. You see, because of a good man, what this verse is saying, verse 7, verse 7 says, A just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. The blessings of this man persist into the lives of those after him. And so what he does in 2023, the blessings thereof extend into the lives of those after him to his children. Think about that. The blessings we have are not only for our consumption but also in our, our enjoyment, but also for those after us, our kids. So, when we talk about walking with God and walking in integrity, walking in, uh, uh, in the Spirit, trying to live for God, trying to serve God, we must remember it's not just about our own peace and joy and fulfillment. That's part of it. But it's also about our children's. Because again, the blessings persist into the future. It's not just our own blessings but our children's as well but look at the look at verse seven again his children are blessed now you think about what what kinds of things would you associate with being blessed I mean that's a pretty broad topic is it not you think of financially blessed blessed with good health blessed with we around this time we think about family you know we think about the blessings of having family and uh, good family that care, care about us. You said security, the blessings of those those things. You think of blessing of our country. Then you think go into the spiritual things, the blessings that we have that we know the Lord, that we know the Word of God, we walk with God. God's grace is evident in our lives. All I mean, so many things should go into the word blessed. So many things can go into, go into the word blessed. But again, those things, whatever they may be and whatever is included in that word, in this verse, come from the father and are passed to the child. Now, let me just tell you a, a truth because this intersects a little bit with uh, a, a lot of stuff we, we hear about today. Um, now, when a child comes into the world, we know that when a child comes into the world, whatever decisions that child makes, that child will give an account to God for those decisions, right? Every person will bow the knee before Christ. Every person will give an account. So then, to Romans 14, right? So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's that's clear. So you come into this world, I come into this world. We know that we have choices to make. We have decisions. We will make bad decisions. We'll make good decisions. And we will give an account to each one of them as an individual. However, From this verse we see that there is a benefit and advantage conferred by the righteous parent to the child. It is an advantage that perhaps other children don't have because his children are blessed after him. Now, let me give you an example. In physical things, if, if your parents were people who had, who had some measure of wealth, and they came and so they passed away and they left you with their wealth and you were able to take that money and put a large down payment on a house or whatever, you know, buy a house outright. Are you not advantaged by what your parents had done and the life they had lived? And you, In other words, you're ahead of the game. Instead of like me, which my parents are still alive, but you know what I'm saying. But like me, like I lived overseas. I can't, I didn't, we, when we bought a house, we didn't have a down payment. So we used the, we used the military, the, the, the uh, what do they call that? Veteran? VA loan, V-A loan that's, a, that's it. Which didn't require a down payment, which our monthly payments are. But anyway, but see, if I was in a case where I had whatever, $200,000 or whatever to put down on a house, I'm going to be ahead of the game financially in the subject of fi- fi- finances, okay? That's an advantage that I came into the world with. You see? And so that's going to put me ahead of the game in financial matters. But what about in spiritual matters? If you, if you come into the world, if you came into the world and you, you, came into a, you came into the world with a family who was ungodly and they had vices and addictions and, you know, the, the families were broken. I know because this is me. This is my life, right? I came into the world. That, that's that. You know, there's a disadvantage from that, it's spiritually speaking. There's a disadvantage. But if you come into a family that is godly and the parents love one another and they teach you the word, you're going to be at an advantage spiritually. So everybody comes into the world and everybody gives an account for, for, for what they do, yes. But some people come into the world more advantaged than others. That's just a fact, Spiritually. Yeah. He, well, he did have a lot of experience, but not good experience. <laughs>
1: it's
0: true. They were still talking about that, all that Solomon had done. Mm-hmm. So, here's the question. Spiritually speaking, in spiritual things, what kind of advantage do you want to leave to your, to your children? Do you want them to be hamstrung and handicapped because we did not live for God and our children don't know the Lord, that is, don't know about the Lord, they don't know the Word of God, they're not familiar with spiritual truths, their worldview's all messed up, they have vices and they have addictions and you introduce them to pornography and alcohol and drugs or do you want to bring them with a spiritual advantage, benefit? His children are blessed after Him. The blessings were transferred. That's just a reality. Here's the thing. Philippians 2.4, and there's one other thing I want to get before we move on to something else. Philippians 2, four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. See that? That's what the Lord did. That's what the context of Philippians 2 is when Christ came into the world, right? He was incarnated. He he was not paying attention just on himself. If that was the case, he would have stayed in heaven. He was thinking about us. And so the Lord says on the tail end of that, we don't need to be thinking only about ourselves. And in in this context with our children, it's not just about us and making sure we're financially secure or we're spiritually secure. We have to make sure that we are passing these things on to our kids. That's... We're thinking about them, not only about ourselves. That's what Philippians 2.4 says. Before we finish, look at 2 Kings chapter number 20. So these uh, emissaries from Babylon, this is way before the Babylonians started interacting with the Jews. To them, to the Jews at this time, To the nation of uh, Judah, Babylon was a long ways away, but they sent emissaries to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah opened his treasures, opened his palace, opened everything he had to them, did not seek the Lord's counsel, just let them waltz through there and look at all that he had. Verse 14, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among all my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that, All that is in thine house and and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget. Now, we're not talking about grandchildren. We're talking about his own children. Shall they take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah, he should have mourned at the, what would be left and happen to those after him. He should have mourned, but what does he say? Good is the word of the Lord. I would beg to differ. I would say the word of the Lord was pretty evil to him. But he viewed it as good. You know why? Because Hezekiah was only looking at the man in the mirror. Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken, and he said, it is you notice there's a period, and then it says, and he said. It's almost like we just got portions of the conversation. I can imagine Isaiah, I'm just reading between the lines here, I can imagine Isaiah saying, good, your majesty, this is not good. <laughs> and he says, well, let me explain. Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? In my days. You see, this is not this is the, the polar opposite of the spiritual, the scriptural principle we're reading in Proverbs. My blessings will persist to my kids. It is not good enough that it's good in my days. The principle is that parents should care not only for their own peace, security, and spiritual well-being, for, but also for that in their children's future. And here's the reality, and this is what we'll get into next week that when we care about our children's spiritual future and we care about their spiritual well-being and we pass our blessings on to them, there's a reciprocal effect. Because when they grow up in the knowledge of God and they love the Lord and they follow God and walk in His wisdom, it benefits us back too. And that's what we'll see next week. Let's pray.